0: Welcome back to Everyday Disciples, where we strive to follow Jesus every day, wherever we are. I'm Pastor Matthew Starner, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Every week, we're seeing more and more people subscribing and tuning in, and I just wanna let you know that we are so thankful for you, our listeners. In our first segment today, I sit down with Pastor Rob Appold and Adam Vanderstelt to talk about communion in a bit of a deep dive. It's something that we do at our church every week, but we don't always have time to to talk about what's happening in this meal that we share, so we'll dig into that together. In our second segment, Adam and I take a look at why we sing what we sing and look at a song that we often use during communion at our contemporary service, O Come to the Altar. And finally, we're starting a new recurring Bible study segment, where we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount with just our Bibles and reflect on Jesus' teaching, no commentaries or resources other than our Bibles, in a way that you might have a conversation with your family and friends about God's Word. We've got a lot of great stuff ahead. Let's get going. Well, welcome once again. I'm sitting here today with Pastor Rob Appold and Adam Vanderstelt, and uh, we're we're ready to do another little deep dive here. And we thought uh, doing a deep dive on the topic of communion. Um, we've got another segment talking about that a little later in the show, but um, thought it might be interesting to kind of dive into this practice that at St. Matthew, it's something that we do every week. Some churches do it occasionally. Uh, some, some do it like every other week or, or just periodically throughout the year. But uh, this practice that we all, all Christians share, sharing communion, but, but we hold diff- a variety of beliefs about what communion is all about, what's happening, um, whether it's something that we're doing or something that God's doing. And so I wanted to just kind of throw that out there um, to the, the three of us here to say sort of, you know, in, in, in uh, kind of everyday disciple language, how do you talk about what's going on in communion?
1: A lot has been written. I mean, you can get volumes of books when basically all Jesus said is the words of institution, Matthew Mark and Luke, and then 1 Corinthians, other um, supporting information in 1 Corinthians 10 and 11, but uh, yeah, a lot has uh, come up about communion.
0: We like to get divided about, and draw lines too, like, okay, well, you believe this, and I believe this, and, um, you know, that communion alone, I think, divides some different denominations and stuff, and... um, you know, for, for good or for ill, I guess. Yeah.
1: And more for ill than for, for good. And I get distinctions, but to be honest with you, I think some, actually some burdens have been laid on people Mm -hmm. through it all too. Sure. Yeah. There's a, um, you know, a variety
0: of, of opinions as far as like who's doing what Mm -hmm. in communion. You know, this is a, uh, we we find ourselves here in Grand Rapids in kind of the, the Reformed land, um, so there's a lot of lot of the kind of idea that this is this is a act of remembrance that we're we're remembering what Jesus did. Um, certainly a important aspect of it, um, but there's more to it for us, right? And
1: this wouldn't that be the lightning rod for the Lutheran and the Reformed? I mean, one of the bigger uh, dividing points between the two. Sure. I mean, it comes from a deeper spot, but this is the the point that Lutherans and Reformed like to argue about sure. over history, sure. and actually had wars over.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that's something we don't think about. If you want to get into you know Christian history, um, you know there were there were actually wars fought over these things back in the the days of the Reformation. Um, thank God we've passed that. Right mm-hmm. now we just do it online.
2: Uh, we just argue on Facebook. <laughs> Well, growing up, uh, when you say that, I remember actually every um, every communion table that was in—I—I—I I, um, grew up in a Christian Reformed uh, church, and have served in Christian Reformed churches. And uh, every one of the tables, communion tables that they've used, uh, have those words, "Do this in remembrance of me," on the front.
1: And and really, it uh, again get behind all of that is. Is this something? Are we emphasizing what God is doing, or are we emphasizing what we're doing uh, for God? And is it a sacramental or a sacrificial uh, part of the service? And so there's there's reasons for it, but sure. we want to keep them <laughs> healthy. Sure. And and that can, if if that's our primary
0: mindset, like it can become an obedience thing, right? So I'm I'm being obedient. I'm I'm following that command right to remember. So, so let me demonstrate my obedience here. How would you say, Pastor Rob, the, the, the Lutheran attitude if it's not one of obedience, what, what, what would you call it yeah. that, that well, we have towards it? I
1: th- Again, I think, you know, to get behind it, is it Matthew do this in remembrance of me? I don't know if it's in all the words of institution. I'm just thumbing through my Bible right now. I do don't think it's in um, the other um, places of the words of institution. Matthew, you got your computer there. You can probably find it better. But, okay, so do this in remembrance of me. Certainly we are doing something. We are breaking bread. We're eating about bread and drinking wine. Um, the Again, what does the word remembrance mean? One part of it is cognitively remember, and that's kind of that whole, hey, this is an act of obedience, we're remembering the central act of Jesus, his substitutionary death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, fantastic. That is certainly a part of it. Uh, Understanding that word of remembrance, it comes from uh, the Hebrew, um, and if you look at Remember, it means that is a theologically packed word. That, that means a lot. God remembered his people. God remembered uh, Joseph. It means uh, really to take uh, a uh, past event, so recall that past event, but apply the benefits of that past event to your situation today. So in communion, it's certainly looking back to the cross and the death of Jesus and the resurrection, but apply those into your life today. So for your life and the brokenness, the sinfulness, the, the sins of omission, the sins of commission, you know, you could go through the whole list, I mean, if you wanted to, but to say, you know what, there is forgiveness for me in that sin, and therefore I will live as a regenerate I desire by the Spirit's leading and guiding to uh, live as a regenerate child of God and not fall into the same pattern of sinfulness. Uh, this is the idea of remembrance in its fuller capability and that God is giving me the exact power I need, the very presence and the personhood of Jesus uh, into my life.
0: Yeah, that's great. To, yeah, That. That full aspect of it's more than just a reenactment. Yes. Yeah, that, that Jesus is there with us. Uh, just found those verses here real quick. Um, so Matthew and Mark both don't mention the remembrance aspect. Luke and then Paul in 1 Corinthians Luke, okay. is when he says it. Both of them highlight the do this same That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but all four of them, all four of those places talk about it. Um, you know, this is an important aspect of, of Jesus' ministry and something that he does give to us to do. Um, it is something for us to continue to do uh, as we come together as Christians. Maybe one of the other aspects that we like to draw lines between like uh, denominations is what actually is happening in the Lord's Supper um we as lutherans you know take very seriously jesus words that this is my body this is my blood um for us you know is means is it's right this is body this is right. blood um there are other other flavors of christianity out there that like to take it as uh, it represents it's mm-hmm. representative of um, we know that would
1: heart. be the probably what Adam you grew up with. This symbolizes Jesus' body. This symbolizes his yeah. blood. Mm-hmm. And and again, this became. I mean, at Luther's day again. This was a fight. These were fighting words. These were no, we can't. And I mean, praise God, Luther was stubborn when it came to the word of God. Um, but um, you know, Jesus could have used the word symbol if he meant symbol, but. And I'm sure, Matthew, you know the, the, the arguments Luther had with Zwingli on the Lord's Supper. Sure.
0: Yeah, you know, this, this is my body. He used that word for a reason. This is my blood. Um, you know, it's, it, I think one of the things I appreciate about Lutheran theology is we, we take God at his word. You know, when, when God says something, we believe it without trying to explain it away,
1: right? Well, we say that, but there are a lot of volumes of and a lot of ink on how exactly is this happening. That's, that's, and that's true. This is one thing. I, You know, th- there is a mystery to this. I don't right. think all the—I I mean, I know there's—you probably have books on your shelf trying to explain, when does Jesus' body join the bread and wine? Uh, I don't know, right. I, and I think in the bottom line, none of us know that. And and I and that's
0: that's what I was was trying yeah. to get at. Like, is we're we're comfortable with the mystery. Okay. We're comfortable with with it not necessarily being fully rational. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know like for for those in the Calvin tradition. Um, you know, Calvin wanted everything to, to be rational, wanted to work it all out so that it made sense. Mm-hmm. Where Lutheran, Lutherans are very much okay with saying, we're only going to go as far as what the Bible says. And the Bible says, this is my body, doesn't say how, doesn't say when, doesn't say, you know, what manner it it becomes the body. And so I love that, you know, Luther had that, that phrase that it's, um, you know, the body in, with, and under the bread.
1: Mm-hmm. Did that come from Luther himself? Do you know?
0: Oh, you know, I, I, I guess I always assumed that it did, because that's what I've always heard in Confirmation. We'll have to um,
1: research that I guess one. I
0: don't know if that actually originated with him or if that came later on, but Lutherans, I guess, mm-hmm. have always had that phrase, um, which describes everything and nothing at the same time, right? It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> explain how it, it works uh, in, with, and under. What does that mean? Um, but but it, uh, that's what the Bible says, that this is the body, this is the blood,
1: yeah, it was—I uh, don't—again, I'd have to look back on, but to try to—because there was the obviously the other side of the world, the transubstantiation of the classical Roman Catholic theology, um, that Lutherans were trying to differentiate and be complete as much as possible to say, yes, the body of blood of Christ is in the bread and the wine. But it is not changed into so it's under the forms of bread and wine in within well in and with and then under yeah so it gets into a whole lot of <laughs> church history as well right
0: yeah and you can you can certainly I mean we're this is a deep dive segment um, but we're we're barely putting our toe in the water of how deep you can actually go if you want to really dig into the depths of uh, theology, which for, for most folks, they're probably okay having a, having a good grasp on, what does this actually mean for me? And you know, that, as means a Jesus pastor,
1: that's what I would, and maybe I'm too simple, but that Jesus is with me, he's for me, he is giving himself to me, uh, that I need that, <laughs> I mean... I, I would be happy with people knowing and believing that without trying to explain all of these aspects of these things that are really a mystery. How does it really happen? Uh, we know we're going to trust God on that.
0: Yeah, I think if there's any takeaway, maybe that's the, the big one, that uh, be okay with embracing the mystery and and simply uh, trust in the words that Jesus says. That we hear every—here at St. Matthew, we hear every week when we do communion that, you know, this is my body, this is my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Like, that's all we need to get.
1: Okay. Well, the the danger in having weekly communion is?
0: That it becomes routine.
2: Yeah. Um, just another thing to check off on the list. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for me, um, who—growing up, I think we had communion probably every six to eight weeks. Um, uh, it's become really formational for me, um, and maybe that's just because I'm new to this tradition, um, but I think uh, that your habits form who you are, um, and so even, even if a habit isn't fully um, uh, appreciated week to week, I think it's still important, and um, and that it's it's still formational. It's part of the growth process, and um, yeah, I've just been really grateful for, for that here. Another thing that I've noticed um, is that it seems like uh, a worship service on Sunday, the direction is towards the table. And what I mean by that is um, everything that comes before and everything that is after communion is pointing towards that moment. Um, where in churches uh, that I've served at in the past, um, they've more pointed towards uh, the sermon. Mm-hmm. Or uh, even in, in another church it's more pointed towards like an altar call or the baptismal font. Um, and so it's a really compelling um, uh, thing when we we do all of those things in the direction of our need. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? So we're coming in our need. Um, to the table and and that's what this the service on sunday becomes thanks that's about.
1: that's refreshing uh, and thanks for sharing that because jesus did say do this and you know with the aspect of continue to do this now, he doesn't say how many times and how often on sunday so i take communion in both services i don't know if you do mm-hmm. yeah um but um I think there's a, I've heard this and I can't verify it, that Martin Luther said, unless a Christian took communion at least four times a year, uh, he should question whether he's a Christian. Well, that at least became the maximum in some traditions and some uh, efforts to how often do we do this? Well, four times is what Luther said, that's all you got to do it. And it became Christmas, Easter, and maybe um, Pentecost or something like that. Um, But yes the the thinking has been this is a word and sacrament and we need both uh for the renewal renewal of our faith these are both means of grace that god uses to form us
0: yep yeah in the the church that i grew up at um communion was not an every week thing in every service i think um because i remember Mm -hmm. lots of services without communion I, when I was a little older, it was I. I remember it being uh, communion was at it was every week, but at one one week it was the early service, the next right. week it was the late service, kind of alternated that way. I don't remember as a kid if that's how it was, but um, you know, it, it has definitely kind of ebbed and flowed throughout time, um, as as more more of a regular practice or more of a reserved practice, and and, and there
1: definitely was too much as a. Pushback to the Catholic practice of daily, sure, uh, communion, and and Protestants and Lutherans would fall into that under that umbrella. Would say, well, we're we're not that, so right, yeah, <laughs> we're not going to do it too much, right, uh, and that that fear of well, if we do it too much, it it will become meaningless. This is important. Well, you can look at that two ways too. Adam's married. I'm sure his w- wife doesn't say, "You kiss me." Daily, and it's meaningless, right? <laughs> or you, yeah, you, like you, you love others, right? You know, like, mm-hmm. I did that once,
2: once a quarter, yeah, know, right, kind of thing, right. Just checking in, still love you.
1: Well. <laughs> and I do, I do pray people do ha- have the opportunity to reflect and prepare themselves spiritually. But I also know the reality of Sunday morning is <laughs> pretty fast paced, and if you have children, <laughs> it's. It's not always that most holy of exterior moments, but good things are going on in the reception of communion. Right,
0: and I think just to kind of you know circle all the way back around, remembering that even even when I haven't had time to properly prepare my heart, or when I'm you know trying to drag the kids up to the front or something and wrestling with all of that, uh, it's not about what I'm doing. Amen. But it's about what Jesus is doing in mm-hmm. that moment, and so we get to we get to receive that. You know whether we've whether we've prepared fully or not, which I think is a great thing. So, thanks, guys. Appreciate this conversation, and look forward to the next time we get to do a deep dive. God bless. Well, welcome back, and we're sitting here with Adam Vanderstelt again to talk about uh, why we sing what we sing. And this week we thought we would look at a song that's been around for a little while, um, a kind of reasonably newer song, um, I guess six years old now. Looking at the, the yeah, two thousand sixteen. Right yep. um, oh, come to the altar, one that we sing at the late service, the contemporary service here.
2: And uh, Adam, I, I don't know about you, but what did you what did you think when you first heard this song? Well, when I first heard this song, Pastor Matt, I, I thought that it was an altar call song, like a. Uh, a modern Billy Graham yep. <laughs> sort of end of the program uh, song, and that's yeah, what I heard. Uh, yeah, and I was I was in that
0: same boat. I remember hearing the song and 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 like you know hearing it and not paying attention to it the first time, but like oh I, I like that. What is this that I'm hearing? And uh, you know recognizing the chorus that will come to the altar a bit, and like you going oh man, this is an altar call song. Too bad we can't use this song because it's pretty good. <laughs> And then I got looking at it a little closer, and it's like, you know what? I, I think there's uh, maybe more going on here than simply an altar call song. Um, and it kind of like dug into the lyrics a little bit and said, you know, I think this is a communion song as much as it is a, an altar call song. I don't think they wrote it as a communion song. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, so this, this comes from uh, Elevation Worship, Elevation Church, mm-hmm. uh, which is down in Atlanta, Georgia big church, um, and especially one nowadays that's real popular online. They've got a great social media presence, um, you know, kind of very dynamic presence uh, online. And they crank out a lot of great worship stuff. Mm. Um, yes. You yep, know. They have been a forerunner for, for many years now. Right. And they're not all that old as a no. congregation. I mean, they're... I forget, they started 15 years ago or so. They've come a long ways. They're they're in a similar vein if you listen to Christian music uh, of, like, Hillsong and... Vertical. Vertical, yep, those sorts of places. Um, cranking out some really good, I think, really theologically rich songs. Yeah, there's a was, lot here. Which was something that, you know, for a long time, contemporary Christian worship music was really sort of derided for because it was all that fluffy stuff, you know? Just, right. I remember people that called it happy clappy
2: music. <laughs> happy clappy music, and okay. uh,
0: you know, it, it has certainly grown and come into its own. And so, we have a song here. Uh, looking at some of these lyrics, maybe mm. um, you know that first verse. I think speaks to a, a lot of people. Um, the the lyrics there. I'll just read them for us real quick. You know, Are you hurting and broken within? Now, who's who does that not describe? Mm. Uh, Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Mm. So uh, right away, you know reminding us who we are, um, you know, that we're broken, that we are uh, imperfect, that we are uh, needy in the sense that there's something that that we need inside of us that we can't provide for ourselves mm. that comes from outside of us, that comes from Jesus.
2: Yeah, this I mean, this is sort of our, our default condition. This brokenness and and, a sense of guilt. And what is so wonderful about Sunday morning is uh, we get, perhaps we get beat up all week long. We get to come together. Um, Jesus calls us to this place um, and we can receive new life um, in our broken condition whatever state we're in, um, Jesus still calls.
0: Yeah, and so then it moves into the chorus there of, "Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Um, So that that reminder of what we really need, Mm. that we really need forgiveness. Um, And I love that, so like for a church that does an altar call, where it's sort of that often at the end of the service, this invitation to like, whether it's putting your hand up or actually coming forward to the altar to kind of rededicate yourself, uh, to receive something, um, for for a church like that, you know, that's they're reminding people that this is about Jesus. There's mm. forgiveness. The Father's arms are open wide. Um, for for a communion song, though, I think it's it's even more powerful, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we know that that's what we receive in communion is forgiveness of sins, mm. strengthening of our faith. That was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, mm. which is what we're receiving also right. in communion. We're receiving his blood. And I love that line about the Father's arms are open wide. Mm. That, that no matter how broken and hurting we are, no matter how much you know we've come to the end of ourself, the Father's arms are open for us. Mm. There's grace for us there. And I think that's huge. Yeah, and so it moves into then the the second verse there, which is a you know very similar vein to the first one. Uh, Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. We've all got those, right? Uh, Come today. There's no reason to wait. Now that I love that line, because there's there's a handful of people that I've met in my life that for one reason or another like don't take communion. Mm-hmm. Um, often because of something that's happened in their past that they no longer feel like they're worthy to do that. They're still believers. They're still, they're still Christians. Um, but for whatever reason, they're, they're refraining from doing that. And, and I always want to say like, why Mm. there's forgiveness here, there's grace here and no one, you're not excluded from that. There's no reason to wait. Mm. Come now, come do Mm -hmm. that. And I just want to say that line to, to those folks, um, bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling, and it's so. It's that again, that great reminder of the new life we have that that sustains us through uh, communion that we receive there. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 words like those that make me even say like, man, this is more powerful as a communion song because uh-huh. those things are actually happening in communion versus an, an altar call where it's it's simply a rededication um, for a lot of folks. Uh, that's what an altar call is about, um, committing your life to Christ again. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there can be an awful lot of emphasis put on what you do in an altar call. You know, did you really dedicate your heart Fully and, and those sorts of things, where I love about communion is it's all about what Jesus is doing mm. and what He's done for us. Mm-hmm. And we just simply come and receive. Right. and and that's that's why I think what
2: makes that so powerful for me. yeah, I, I love the language of of regeneration in that. Yes, yep. Yeah. Um, that um, from the ashes, from from absolutely nothing. Christ can bring new life, uh, and He does that work of regeneration, of restoration in our lives. M- makes
0: me think of Ephesians 2. You know, mm. you were you were dead in your sins, right? You, you were basically ash, you were mm-hmm. basically dirt, and you've been made alive now. Christ Christ has made you alive mm. uh, through through faith in Him, and so you know, such a powerful uh, image there that's painted. Yeah, goes and,
2: back to the uh, chorus yep. which we already went through, and then the bridge which is, Oh, what a Savior! Isn't he wonderful? Sing, Alleluia, Christ is risen. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing, Alleluia, Christ is risen. Um, I just, I think it's striking, because again, it's talking about uh, Christ uh, being risen. And I think it's important, especially when we look at this song, um, from a communion standpoint, it is in Christ's resurrection that we can receive new life. Um, and, so, and so that's why we sing hallelujah. Um, so it's, it's a really th- theologically uh, important statement there. Um, I also, I, I notice a posture change, and I know that's such a, like, a worship <laughs> leader thing to say. Um, but this, the language changes from um, come, which is the walking, to a bowing hmm. before Him, so the posture has changed from um, uh, receiving God's gifts to a, adoring God for who He is, um, and I think that that heart change happens, and I think it, I think it happens in an important way in communion. Sure, absolutely, and and I really love
0: that, like a you know a church like St. Matthew where where we're at. Um, that celebrates this every week, mm-hmm. as you know, part of our worship. It's a it's a routine that we have in there, um, and of course, you know, it's it's easy for for some folks to say, well, then it just becomes kind of mundane. Uh, but we are shaped by those things that we do regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like at, at Saint Matthew and in, in in both worship style services, we recite. lord's prayer together we recite the creed together and and as we do that those are formative things for us they they Mm -hmm. shape us they form us they teach us about who we are and whose we are and um, as we come forward for communion of course you can go through that with a um, you know heart and a mind that's not set on what's happening that's you know thinking about lunch or whatever's next Mm -hmm. or um, those sorts of things but to to do it mindful of what's happening um, I, I think it's hard for it to not shape that within you that this is a this is an act of receiving an act of um, what s- submission mm. to, to mm-hmm. God that mm-hmm. we are we are receiving from him and acknowledging that we need something from him that we can't do ourselves. Mm. Mm-hmm. We
2: mm-hmm. need
0: that forgiveness. we need that that strengthening of our faith. Mm. Um, it, it reminds
2: us that we're creatures that we're not creators, right right. Yeah, Which and that's why so it's big. important that it says, For he is Lord of all, right? right? That, that is the surrendering of our own power and giving it yep. um, uh, to our Lord and Savior. And then, you know, I, one of the things that
0: I like about this song, too, is it, it has a little bit of a different structure mm. um, okay. than, than a lot of typical worship songs, in that it ends with like kind of a half a verse. You know, on the, on the lyrics that I'm looking at here, it's, mm-hmm. it calls it verse three. Even though it's really just two lines, mm-hmm. um, and it and it ends with a, a bit of a different tone from the other verses mm-hmm. that we've looked at. Uh, bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you've found.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and Adam, you were saying you know that those words really spoke to you.
2: Yeah, they do because again, I think it's another posture change, and it goes from um, receive. So we went from receiving a gift bowing to God in adoration, to now we have a task at hand. Mm. Um, Because of the new life we've received, we trust in God, that's what bearing your cross means, we trust in God through the the troubles and the trials of our life, um, and we share our new life with other people. We share what we have found in Christ with other people. Uh, there's an interesting thing that happens in this as well, and you know this, um, as, a, as a music person, there's a chord in here that's outside of the key. So that yep. usually in a key uh, in music, there's a set of chords that sounds really good together. This is the one instance in this song where it goes out of the key for a second, and I think it's, I hope it's significant. I think it's significant to me because it's saying that there's something new that must be done now that we've taken now that we've received this gift of new life
0: yeah. yeah and and it's one of those that's one of those things that I don't know that um, you know non musicians necessarily realize the significance of of that that oh it's uh, a total foreign, music foreign thing. Chord there. <laughs> but but I'm sure as you're singing it in church and you kind of go oh that that sounded different, <laughs> you know, and, and maybe inside you feel a little bit of um, it, it is almost a little bit like discomfort. Right. Because because yeah. we're coming to the end of the song, usually musically, you're starting to, to lead to lead toward a landing in mm-hmm. like in what you kind of consider home within the key. Mm-hmm. And it it's it suddenly steps outside of home for a minute. It steps mm-hmm. outside of that comfortable space, and it's like, ooh, this is this is pushing us somewhere. there's mm. there's movement going on. And yeah, this song does take us on a journey, you know, mm-hmm. as you as you really look at those lyrics. Um, so I hope it's one that, as we sing it in church, which it comes up um, occasionally, you know, it, this is not one that we sing all the time, but uh, certainly one that is uh, not unfamiliar to us. And um, I hope it's one that you, uh, listen to, maybe sing these words a little bit more thoughtfully as we do this and recognize as you come to the altar what it is that you are receiving there from Jesus. So thanks, Adam. Thanks Thank for you. sitting down with us and uh, look forward to the next time we get to talk about some some things that we sing. Come back again. Joined once again by Pastor Rob Appold and Adam Vanderstelt here, as we uh, we want to start a new kind of recurring series here, doing just a little bit of a, a simple Bible study. We're we're sort of calling this like um, Bibles only Bible study, uh, so not necessarily the deep dive kind of stuff that you just got in the first segment but uh, maybe a little more of, of that everyday discipleship, uh, reading the Bible. We're going to read through the Sermon on the, Mount, on the Mount. We thought that'd be a great spot to start. Um, teachings of Jesus, his, his biggest uh, recorded teaching that we have. And reading through it kind of without like all the commentaries, without all the resources and stuff, and just sort of reflecting on the Word of God. And so I want to really encourage you, uh, if you're able to, as you're listening along, to, to open up your Bible with us. If you're listening to us in the car or uh, you know on the treadmill or something and can't do that, then certainly uh, listen, lean in, listen in to, to what we're saying here. But uh, I want to start by reading, reading the Sermon on the Mount um, chunk by chunk. So we're just going to look today at the Beatitudes, the first part of Matthew chapter 5. And... Um, I'll go ahead and read that for us here, for the first little bit here. So I'm just going to read through verse 12. And then we're going to just kind of, kind of reflect back on what we've heard and maybe unpack a little bit of it. But it begins at verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we'll end there. The end of verse 12 there. So um, a familiar passage of Scripture maybe for, for many folks. Maybe What kind of stood out to you guys as, uh, as we were listening to that again?
1: You know, one of the things that made or uh, even before the the words, I w- kind of wondered was this an impromptu idea or was this a plan and mm. I'm watching the chosen so oh sure and there it was it shows Jesus kind of preparing a sermon and I guess I never thought of it that way but uh, maybe he did plan this out and because I have always took it of oh it was a here's there's a bunch of people. Let's We're just here. tell them
0: all the things, because because you know the Sermon on the Mount covers yes. a lot of ground. yeah it's
1: three chapters yep. really the whole thing,
0: and and so many different topics that are included in there, that but yeah I, you know I I've been watching the Chosen too and uh, really appreciate the the humanity mm-hmm. they bring to these familiar stories and uh, have not gotten to that part yet of the Beatitudes but. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think it's it's unreasonable to think of Jesus preparing a sermon. Mm-hmm. That's certainly a little a more human uh, aspect to Jesus than maybe we, we often think.
2: I What stuck out to me, and it's never stuck out to me before, so I'm having these thoughts for the first time. Uh, it's the first three words, seeing the crowds. And the reason why it sticks out to me is... It goes on to say, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, uh, blessed are those who are meek and who are hungry, um, for those who are p- persecuted. Th- those aren't, like, good things. And I think uh, when he says, seeing the crowds, Jesus is speaking to the human experience that he sees in front of him. And um, and then he offers a promise to each of those people he sees in front of them. Mm-hmm. So it's very much like... A, um, speaking to the people where they're at. It's mm-hmm. Christ meeting it's the comfort. people. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I've, you know, you read this sometimes and you go, blessed are the poor in spirit for there's the kingdom in heaven. Like, so does that mean I got to be poor in spirit? I mean, does that that doesn't sound
1: good to me. I'm just curious what you guys... Yeah, I've always taken that to mean when you know you're empty, when you don't yeah. have yeah, the... You're not the paragon of, of mm. perfection. Uh, you're. Uh, if everybody knew what really rattled around in my heart, it would not be a good thing. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, "Blessed are those who are empty, mm. um, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." When you know, and who, and who when you know you can't deal with it on your own,
0: right? And, and who know that they're empty, because mm-hmm. mm. we we all are. Spiritually mm-hmm. poor, right? I mean, right. N- none of us are good enough on our own in the eyes of God. Mm. Um, but some of us are blind to that. Mm-hmm. And some of us are, are much more aware of that, tuned into that. And man, it's when we see that in ourselves that we recognize our need for God.
1: Right. And That's, we don't have to hide behind the, as some people say, the PhD, the pride, the um, phoniness, mm-hmm. the hypocrisy. Or the despair of well, I'm not what I'm supposed to be. I better hide it or sure. pretend it's deny that it's real or any of that stuff. It's no, I'm I'm a sinner. I need help.
2: It's a totally different message too in the context of the time, right? Because these this this crowd is probably used to a message that says, um you're poor in spirit. Get your act together. Mm-hmm. Like start following yeah. the rules. And Jesus says, "Yours is the kingdom of heaven." What a subversion of like the cultural expectation,
1: right? And certainly the Pharisaic, you know, model mm-hmm. that was that those they were and they were looked up to. They were mm-hmm. seen as people who were had Rich their act together, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs>
0: right. And and just generally those who were blessed in life were seen to be; they must be spiritually better than the rest of us because God has blessed them. Right, they've got that good stuff.
1: I think in is it in the Luke parallel? I mean, it's not exactly, but maybe Jesus preached another sermon. He it is just recorded. Blessed are the poor.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it's a it's you know kind of funny as you just kind of scan through the list, uh, especially in the way my Bible in the ESV it's it is as a list. You know, it's not just a paragraph. Um, but as you kind of look through some of them, um, really, really do feel like that whole upside down kingdom thing. So, you know, poor in spirit, they get the kingdom of heaven. Um, you skip down a couple to meek, they get the whole earth. (laughs) And and then there's other ones that just like, they make sense. So those who mourn are going to be comforted. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're going to get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those who are merciful are going to be shown mercy. And so some of those, you know, really seem like they just logically flow. And other ones, like that, that whole meek inheriting the earth, just it, it feels like that whole backwards, upside down way of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of wonder, like, you know, when, when Jesus is preparing this, um, is there a pattern he's setting up hmm. in those? I, I mean, I don't necessarily see a pattern right away looking at it, because um, the first one's kind of upside down the second one makes sense the third one's upside down the fourth the fifth the sixth they, they all start They're to almost
1: like... like proverbs in us in that sense sure yeah just being a hey this wisdom statements yeah. and
2: yeah there's one here that it's a blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see god um i'm just reminded of one of the um, members of a church i served at um who um, was a person who had a Down syndrome, but when they would oh. worship, Ooh. they would open their hands up to the sky and look at, at the heavens the whole time. And I think that just speaks to, uh, I think that that verse was... The Down heaven. syndrome yeah, yeah, child? That, that, or? Yeah, they would just have his arms open and his eyes towards the sky I the always get time. convicted like, by... Oh, <laughs> why can't I worship like that? Why right. can't I be that pure in well, Exactly, <laughs> That's
1: exactly what I... I can't believe there's... That pure of people or somebody who's yep. just mm-hmm. innocent, you know, and I know yeah. <laughs> I'm not. And it's like, thank the Lord that, mm. you know, a, a child or a, a disabled person mm. or just some, a naive person, mm-hmm. God bless them.
2: <laughs> and God, help me. <laughs> the other one that's sticking out, or the other word that sticks out to me is uh, in verse 11, when. Blessed are you when, not If. So, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. It's a given. Right. <laughs> right. It's coming. Like if you put your faith in well, me, and, and it's going to be strange and weird for the people around you and you're you're going to you're going to hear about it. Yeah.
1: Mm. I I appreciate the
2: because of me, not
1: because I'm a jerk or because mm. I'm a right. bad person, but it's carrying the cross. Mm.
0: Well, certainly it begins to set up um, you know what's going to come later in this Sermon on the Mount—that um, it's a—it's—it's it's not a straightforward path following Jesus. Okay. You know, because mm-hmm. there, there's there's some of that, some of the stuff that, that's going to make sense. Um, you know, mourning mourners will be comforted. Um, there's other parts that aren't necessarily going to make sense to us. Uh, the meek inheriting the earth aspect or the, the poor in spirit receiving the kingdom of heaven, um, that it is it is a, uh, well, there's an element of trust here, to, to trusting that what Je- when Jesus says these things, that these are all true, even though it doesn't always make sense to me when I first hear this. And there's a lot of then what's going to come after this, uh, things that Jesus is going to say that is that are very much true, that are going to be convicting, that Mm -hmm. are going to be challenging, um, things that are maybe going to sound different to our ears, especially our ears today, um, versus what the world around us says. And we have to trust that Jesus is telling us the truth.
1: Yeah. Uh, Actually, that jogged a um, a message you gave on the conclusion of the... mm. be at, or the Sermon on the Mount, the wise and the foolish builder. And I remember it because it was a, just one of those little words you said that r- stuck in my mind. What is wisdom? It's hearing Jesus' words and putting them into practice. Mm. That's wisdom. Yep, And that would be exactly what the Beatitudes are saying. Hear this, do it. <laughs>
0: right. um. Re- and really all of the Sermon on the Mount is going to well, be about, yes. the, you know, hear, hear mm-hmm. this and now do it. And, uh, you know, for, for a great many of these followers, these crowds who are there, um, that's going to be a hard thing for them to do. So I think that might be a, a good good place to stop this one here. And uh, Just on
1: that, not just hard, it's impossible without God. Right, exactly. And that's where faith obviously Exa- comes exactly. in. So.
0: No, 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 that's, that's a great thing to, to add on there, that um, really all of these things only make sense with God yep. and with Jesus um, and are only possible with him. So great, thanks, for, thanks guys for, for being a part of this conversation here and look forward to as we go through this, this uh, series here talking about other parts of the Sermon on the Mount. Thanks for listening in today on all these great conversations. We'd love to hear from you as we continue this journey together. If you could rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on, that would help us out and help others find us. And if there's a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. You can email us at media at stmatthewgr.com. Thanks for listening and keep following Jesus together as we become everyday disciples.